Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Sturkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Hey, man, what a good day, man. Yeah, I got to clap my hands a little bit. I couldn't do it earlier. I was holding Phyllis. What a good day, my goodness. Hey, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 7 today. Open your Bibles as you go there. I'll bring you up to speed. So what has happened here is uh, uh, about 70 direct descendants of Abraham uh, have made their way into the land of Egypt to avoid the famine. And uh, now they've been there for 430 years. So what started as 70 direct descendants has now multiplied uh, to about 2 to 3 million people, and they're getting ready to leave. Now, it's in this moment that they thought God maybe had forgotten them. But as we talked about last week, let me tell you something God cannot forget. Even when God chooses not to remember our sins, he remembers our sins no more. That's not forgetful. That's choosing not to remember. It's a big difference. Because God is God. He cannot forget. It would, uh, it would uh, go against the nature of his being. And so these people thought, you know, maybe he's forgotten us. But God had not forgotten us. He can't forget. God had them where he wanted them for 430 years. You see, he had them in a place that was not their comfort zone. It was not the promised land. It was some kind of place in between. Often where we find ourselves in this in-between zone, in between where we were and where we're going. And all the time, God has us right where he wants us. He has us there to protect us. He has us there to provide for us. He has us there to multiply us and to prepare us and get us ready for what he has next. And sometimes it seems like a long time. I just want to encourage you. You're not going to spend 430 years anywhere because God doesn't let us live that long. And so these people had been there for a long time and they thought maybe God had forgotten. God is a God of covenant. If you're a believer today, you are in not just some simple relationship with God. You are in a covenant with God, a covenant that he has done all the work in establishing and providing everything to, uh, to complete the covenant through Jesus' son. So you're in covenant with God. He can't forget you. You're on his mind every day. That's how much God loves you. Now, Moses in the middle of that, here's a guy who spent 40 years raised in Egypt so he would understand culture, he would be educated, he would understand government, he would understand the Egyptians. And after 40 years, he gets frustrated and he murders an Egyptian. So for the next 40 years, he finds himself wandering around in the wilderness with sheep for the next 40 years. And so he went from 40 years of, of lavish lifestyle, the lifestyle of the rich and famous, to the 40 years of the lifestyle of a shepherd. And it's in this moment that God steps into the equation and says, hey, welcome to the burning bush. And he says, I am God, and I want to take you someplace that you can't even imagine what you're going to experience. And he was at the crossroads. And so the next couple of chapters, he's just like us. He's, he's belly aching. He's throwing little personal pity parties, telling God why he's not competent, questioning the greatness of who his God is. And meanwhile, God, God just gets to a place where, place where he just stops listening. He says, oh, that's fine. He said, but here's what I want you to do. His calling, his commission, his command is simply this. I want you to go tell Moses about me. I have a message for you to give to somebody about the greatness of who I am. Now, that was Moses' call. That's it. And I want you to know, spin your calendar forward 3,500 years. Land on January 8th or whatever it is today of 2023. The command, the call, the commission from God to you 
is the same as it was for Moses 3,500 years ago. And that is, God wants you to go and tell your Pharaoh about God. So the title of the message today is this, Who's Your Pharaoh? Ask the person next to you, who is your Pharaoh? Now you can say, well, my Pharaoh, I know who they are, but there ain't no way I can tell them, man, because this, this person is it's just mean, you know. I mean, I know they don't know God. They're ugly, okay? Moses was told to go tell Pharaoh. Now, we're going to learn some things today about what that equation looks like when you do what it is, when I do what it is God has called me to do. Exodus chapter 7, we're going to look at 13 verses, hopefully. Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, on the back of your life guide, point number one is this, someone is watching. Here's what he says in verse 1. So the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. Now, here's where it lands. God said, Moses, I'm going to make you look like God before Pharaoh. Now, this is significant because God thought, excuse me, Pharaoh thought he was God. You see, in, in the Egyptian culture, if you were the Pharaoh, you were a god, okay? And they had a multitude of gods, and they were all physical gods. They were animals or, or people or morphed, the morphing of two of those. And, and, and if you go and visit a, a, a temple today or a pyramid today, they have those lowercase g gods enshrined in there, okay, mummified. Because when they looked in a the mirror, they thought they were God. And so now Moses, God says, Moses, I want you to go tell, God, tell Pharaoh he's not God, but I am. That's his message. And it's the same message for you and for me today. Pharaoh had no room for an unseen God. Pharaoh had seen gods. When he looked in a shiny dish, he saw a God himself. When he looked at the Nile, he would see the God of the Nile. When he looked at the animal kingdom, the insect kingdom, he would see that God, a physical God they, have, they had raised up to be the God of that particular thing. And we'll see it in the next few chapters, in the next couple of weeks. The plagues are all an attack on the lowercase, lowercase g gods of this world. Now, Moses is not the exception to the rule. You see, we live in Egypt 2023, where when we look around, there's lowercase g gods that we've erected everywhere. I mean, they're every, we all have them. We all see them. Seen gods, right? They may look like a car, an automobile. They may look like a home. They may look like some material possession. They may look like fancy clothes or jewelry or 401ks or, um, or academic success or athletic success or whatever it is that we raise up and make it into a lowercase g god. We live in Egypt 2023. And it's into this world of seen gods that God calls us to be God to them. Just like he told Moses, I want you to be God. Somebody is watching. Now, this is the place right now. What I want to speak to parents. If you're a dad or your mom or your grandparent, you gotta, you got to get into your kid's world and you got to invest God and his word into their life. I mean, you got to, you got to dive in because we live in a world that pushes back against everything that God has said. So the question now is, if somebody's watching your life, what are they seeing? And if somebody's watching your life, how can you do this well? How can you live for God, paint a picture of God with your life for somebody that's watching? It's easy. He's given us everything we need. Did you know that? Now, what we do sometimes, we hear that and we go, we, do, we, we, we just kind of jump in the sandals of Moses and say, I don't speak very well. You know, I, I, I'm not that eloquent. I, I, I've been, I'm, I'm a shepherd. We begin to, to question God's calling on our life. 
He doesn't look at you for the greatness of who you are. He looks at you through the lens of the greatness of who Jesus is. And here's what we know. When he tells you to be a God for the people that's watch, that are watching your life, he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, You are from God, little children. That's pretty heavy. He says, And have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. The Holy Spirit God lives in the child of God, the born again, okay, the Christian. He lives in you. And that's what God wants to see. God wants the world to see the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Secondly, you have this book, instruction book, Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. You have what you need, this book. In Scripture, it says in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing even to the point of dividing soul from spirit and the joints from marrow, and it is able to judge the desires and thoughts of the heart. So you got the Holy Spirit in you, you got the Word of God at your hand, at your disposal. And thirdly, you've got the power of being called an ambassador of God. That's not coming from me. It's coming from Scripture. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his plea through us. You get that? God's message to the world doesn't come today from burning bushes. He could if he wanted to, he's God. But it comes through us, through you and through me, through those who have met God, that the Holy Spirit lives in us, that we have his word in our minds and in our hearts. We're ambassadors, and he pleased to the world through your life. Pharaoh and Egypt would be watching Moses, and someone is watching you. The question again, what will they see? Number two, not only is someone watching Someone is listening. Now, this is cool. He says in verse 2, you are to speak everything I command you. He says, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh that he must release the Israelites from his land. Simple command for Moses. Moses, you want to know what I want you to do, bro? Just tell Pharaoh everything that I've commanded you. That's it. You don't have to invent anything. You don't have to write a poem. You don't, just tell them what I command you. That's it. Simple instructions. Now, it's, the point of that is he says, tell them everything I've commanded you. Now, we live in a world of Christianity where we like telling some of the things of God. I love telling somebody if, they're, if they don't know God and they're lost in their sinful condition, that God loves them where they are. And Jesus has done all the work on a cross, his burial, and his resurrection to redeem them, to forgive. I love telling that story. It rocked my world for eternity. I love telling the story. But there's other parts of the word that he's commanded we don't like to talk about. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. Because it's uncomfortable maybe for me. Or maybe it's uncomfortable for the person that I'm supposed to tell. We are commanded just like Moses to tell everything he has told us. The good, the bad, the ugly, the sweet, the sour, the easy, the hard, all of it. We're, it's why I preach book by book in the Bible expositional sermon, sermons, more or less, because it tells me what to preach. And you get to some passages, and it's like, I uh, kind of like to skip that one, but we can't. And it's supposed to be on display in our life. Now, here's the question. Why is God so concerned about us telling the whole truth? Why is God so concerned about us telling the whole story of God? Why? Because the devil is at work telling everything that God never said. You realize before this earth began, 
Lucifer was an anointed, the anointed cherub, the angel of heaven. And he was cast from heaven because of a rebellion, the great I wills that he thought he would do and God said not going to happen. And he booted him from heaven. Scripture says that a third of the angels followed him. Okay, he's good at what he does. What did they follow him about? About saying things that God never said. He lands in the garden. We got two good chapters in, in the whole Bible, real, two good, really good chapters. Genesis 1, Genesis 2. Man and woman right, running around in, in the garden naked and unashamed. That's two good chapters. But chapter 3, man, the wheels fell off the bus. And the rest of the Bible, God is fixing what we broke. All right? Now, in that third chapter, the temptation, the first temptation, Satan was telling everything God never said. You'll remember he tells Adam and Eve, oh, God didn't really say that. Oh, God knows that on this day, if you'll take of that tree, you'll be enlightened. You'll be more like God. Oh, God's not going to kill you. After all, you're the only two he has. He tells the world everything God never said. And so God wants you and me to tell the world everything that God did say. Now, now it's like that about a perfect God. You, you, you see, we have this book, and it tells us everything we need to know. It's not everything there is to know. Scripture says there's not enough paper to write all, of, all about Jesus because he's God. So he's given us everything we need to know. So on Christmas Eve, right here, we were planning for a sweet Christmas Eve service, and we had one, and a Christmas Day service, and we had one. But about 2 o'clock on Christmas Eve day, I got a phone call from our facilities lady, and she said, uh, the sprinkler system's going off. That's always good news on Christmas Eve. You know, it was about zero degrees, about nothing, and there was a piece of insulation had fallen down, and one sprinkler head at the end of the, uh, the, the corridor on the other side there had burst, and water was spraying. The firemen came, you know, the whole big deal, the whole big deal. And, it, man, it'll, let this, it'll, it'll, it'll kind of mess up your Christmas Eve. And, and, and so we got it fixed, and, and we were waiting for the guy to come and replace the, the sprinkler head. So he shows up, and there's two of them, super nice guys, young families, and I was inviting them to church, telling them about Jesus. And one of them, he, he, he'd had a hard life. And seriously, had, had been dealt a hard lot, and I told him that. But that was just a revelation that the world's broken, not that God didn't care. And so this other guy was standing there, and... Uh, he was willing to talk about the church and the Lord. He had children. And this way he said, you got th something on, uh, you got something during the week for kids like th that are in middle school and high school? I said, yeah, six to eight on Wednesday. He said, because I'd like to drop mine off. <laughs> I said, well, we'd like to have them. You can drop them off, go get you some dinner. I, I may just take you up on that. When I noticed he had some, a good bit of ink on him, he was climbing out of his shirt, you know, like you see now. And, and, and it don't bother me. God doesn't care what's on somebody's skin. He's more worried about what's in their heart. And, but he had some pretty cool ink on his arm. I said, that's good-looking ink on your arm right there. Where'd you get that at? He said, a friend of mine. And he said, now the rest of this stuff, I got it from prison. And I'm, I already knew it's jailhouse art. I, I just knew it, you know. But I didn't say that. I said, oh, okay. And uh, he said, yeah. He said, see right here? He had Daniel something verse on there. I said, yeah, Daniel's a great prophet, man. It's a great book. I preached to it. He goes, yeah, that's not in the Bible. He said, the Bible, there's a lot of stuff that should be in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. And he said, there's some things in the Bible that should have been left out. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking on his, you know, jailhouse seminary. I mean, that's a fine establishment for higher education. But somebody's watching, somebody's listening. He had been watching and listening to somebody. 
And then he went on saying, he said, I'm just not crazy about the church because there are preachers who fly around on private jets. And I said, yeah, they do. I said, I've got one myself. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't. I said, but if I did, that would, you wouldn't have to answer for that. I would have to answer for that. And I said, and don't you believe if there's a God that you say you believed in? He said he believed. Somebody told him the gospel and he believed in prison. I said, if you believe there's a God out there who created everything in existence and created you too and chose to love you enough to die in your place, don't you think he, he could preserve exactly what he wanted to be in a book that we call the Holy Bible? Don't you think he could do that? Well, yeah, but I just don't know. And there's some in here today who question the authority of this book, and you wonder if this book is accurate, the inspired, true and living word of God, if it's eternal, if it's infallible or without error. I want to help you know more about this book. So I'm going to give you a plug. Starting February 1st on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock for 12 weeks, we're going to teach a seminar in here on why we know this is God's word and it's complete. I want to invite every single one of you to come from 6 to 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights starting February 1st. Now, you say, well, I don't know if I can come. I have children. Well, if they're five years old or older, bring them on. We've got a place for them right back here. We've got children's ministry from 6 to 7. You say, well, I don't know if I can come. I've got youth. You bring them right over there, 6 to 8 o'clock. You know what that means? You can come and learn about the Bible from 6 to 7. Go eat dinner. Pick Junior up at 8. Everybody wins, all right? I want you to know how you can place your hope, your testimony, your eternal destiny in the true and living, infallible, inerrant, eternal word of God. Now, 3,500 years ago, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't even have the Old Testament yet. Moses would, would be the one who would write the first five, the Pentateuch or the Torah. And God's saying, tell everything I commanded. He's given us his word, and his word is what we live by. His word is what we uh, testify about, what we build our lives on. And you may be here and you say, well, pastor, have you not heard of the Apocrypha? Yes, I have. <laughs> Surprise. Have you not heard of the book of Thomas? Maybe the gospel of Thomas, the gospel. What about the gospel of Mary, preacher? Yeah, I've heard about them, read some of it. It's not in the Bible. <laughs> if some of the people who question the integrity of God's word would simply start living by what we've got and stop worrying about what we don't have, our world will be, we got enough information about God's word in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits to change the world. We don't do what we already know, let alone what we don't know. God tried to clean up the mess. And make it as easy as possible for those of us he, he created. Now, there are those along the way who say, yeah, this book isn't enough. And so I'm going to write another book. One, one, uh, one example might be Joseph Smith. Kicked out of seminary for heresy. Found himself uh, before Moroni. And he wrote the Mormon Bible. Now, it's a fine book, I'm sure. People live and die by it. But it's not the Bible. There are all kinds of great literary works out there that are not the Bible. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Mere Christianity. I would encourage every single person to read it. It's amazing, but it's not Scripture. Dr. Seuss wrote The Cat in the Hat, fine piece of work, but it's not Scripture. Scripture is God's Word, and he separated it and put it in a book, and he has given it to us to make our lives easier, better, and more uh, impactful in our world today. So we need to learn what the Word of God says. Now, now, why is it important? Because someone is watching and someone 
is listening to your words and to your life. Number three, I don't know who your Pharaoh is, who it is that God wants you to tell, but I want you to know that while somebody is watching, are you ready? Listen, and somebody's listening, you ready? Point number three, somebody, someone is working. Now, this is cool. Watch what happens. He tells Moses, this is what I want you to do. Just tell everything I command. I'm going to make you look like God. Okay, this is what I want you to do. Now, somebody's working. Watch what God says about himself. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and although I will multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. God is at work behind the scenes. We live in a world that feels like we've got to work till Jesus comes. And, and we, should, we should serve God because he's our Savior and our Lord. But we don't have to work to earn anything from God. He does all the work. And behind the scenes, when, Mo, when God says uh, to, to Moses, Pharaoh, I want you to go over there and I want you to tell them everything I've commanded. Meanwhile, God took off and he's already there because he's omnipresent. He was waiting for Moses to show up. And in your life, when God tells you to go tell somebody what God's commanded, just to share God's love story, he's already there waiting for you to get there. Okay? He's already there in the future now. Figure that one out. He's God. And he's already working behind the scenes. Now, let me address something here. Odd phrase, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Some people just really get off the bus on this. Well, that's just either that's just unkind of God unjust of God, unrighteous of God, that he would harden a poor man's heart. So he won't receive God, so he won't know God. Or God is sovereign and he hardens who he wants to and he chooses to send them to hell and others he chooses to send to heaven. That's where we go with this verse. It says he hardened Pharaoh's heart. Look it up in the Hebrew. There's two words for hardened. When earlier we read that Pharaoh hardened his heart, that's one Hebrew word. Today when we read that God hardened his heart, it's another Hebrew word, meaning he gave Pharaoh what he wanted. It's, some people want to act like Pharaoh is Mr. Ushy Gushy Loveball. Like on Valentine's of that year, he sent a little Valentine's card to all the Israelites, hugs and kisses, love all my slaves. Let's know who Pharaoh is. Pharaoh is a tyrannical lunatic full of himself, who thinks he's God. He is a racist who thinks a whole, a whole gene pool of people, the Jews, are useless and should only be slaves. He's not a good guy. He, earlier in chapter 3, Moses goes before Pharaoh and he says, will you let us go meet our God because he's spoken to us? Pharaoh said, no. He said, well, please. He says, please, will you let us go for three days? Pharaoh says, get back to work. He didn't harden a soft, lovey heart. He gave him what he wanted according to his sovereign plan. God knew I got a guy right here that's going to let me pour out ten plagues against who they call God and reveal myself as the true and living God. And ultimately, he will chase those people out of his country and give them possessions. God knew what he was doing. That's what God does. Sometimes God gives us over to what we wanted to start with. In Romans chapter 1, 24, 25, 26, it says, Therefore God gave them over to the desires of their hearts, to a reprobate mind, to impurity, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Oh, 
He says, listen, God will give you what you want sometimes. You push back against God. You reject God. You deny God. There's a place where God in his sovereignty can say, okay, I'm going to double down and give you what you want. And it's, I'm going to use it for my glory and according to my sovereign plan. Now, in Exodus chapter 3 is where, God, where Moses said, please, it's not the first encounter that Moses has had with Pharaoh. He's trying to introduce Pharaoh to God, but Pharaoh simply will not have it. Now, God does not give Moses false hope. God simply says, he's not going to listen to you because I've hardened his heart. And Moses is to press on. I want you to, we're going to see in just a minute. This is the place where Moses said, okay, God, I'm in. And he follows God until they cross the Red Sea. Never another question. He's, Do that? Okay, I'm in. That's what it looks like. Obedience, that's what it looks like. So, so here is the place where we have to ask ourselves a question. We, when things get hard, will we quit or will we press on? It's New Year's. How many of you in here have a New Year's resolution? You didn't call it that, but you changed something in your life. Raise your hand. Six of us. Okay, that's fine. Six of us and 400 liars. Okay, now here's what we're going to do. Uh, here's the deal. If, if I say on January 1st, I told Kendra, I'm not drinking any more soft drinks, and I'm not going to eat any more chocolate cake. And here I am a week later, and I look in the mirror, look like I did last week. So what I'm going to do, just quit. I'm eating cake today because there's no results. Maybe yours was to get in shape. You're going to work out. You're going to go to the gym. I would encourage you to work out real hard this week. If, if, if you want to start that, just go pump iron, man. Do some legs. Everybody hates legs. Do some legs. Do some arms. Do some chest. Do it all. And this time next week, you will not feel great. You will feel like you got hit by a bus is what you'll feel like. But you don't quit because it's not working. You keep doing it because the results are not immediate. And God is telling Moses, listen, I don't want you to be misconceived. This thing is going to be beautiful, but it's not going to happen overnight. Okay? You're in for the long haul. And that's what he calls us to be, to end for the long haul. Our faithful obedience to the call, the command, and the commission of God in our life is the pathway to usher in the handiwork of God on our behalf. Only then. Which leads me to the fourth point. When people are watching and people are listening and God is working, someone is saving somebody. Exodus chapter 7 verse 4 says, I, God, will reach into Egypt and bring out my regiments, my people, the Israelites, from the land of Egypt and great acts of judgment. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I extend my hand over Egypt and bring the Israelites out from among them. What we're going to see in the next couple of sermons and chapters are the plagues of God. The plagues of God are spelled out why right here. First of all, in Revelation, he's going to show his people, his covenant people, that he's big. He's a big God who does big things. And they may not have seen him for 430 years, but he's getting ready to step onto the stage and do something big and mighty and powerful, okay? Revelation. The second is a demonstration to Egypt with great acts of judgment. He's going to demonstrate that he's God and he will not be mocked. And the third is evangelization. God loves the nation of Israel. He's in a covenant with them. But that's not the only people he's interested in. Listen, God is not just interested in you and me here at the Church of Sturkey Hills. 
He's interested in the whole world of humanity. Jesus died on a cross that all, whoever, whoever will can come to him and receive him. God loves the whole world, and that just happens to include us. And he loved Egypt, and he's going to reveal to Israel, excuse me, to Israel and to Egypt in his, in his plagues that are coming. Success is not about our performance. Success is about our obedience. Somebody is saving somebody. You see, God wants you to, to share God with your Pharaoh in your world. But you can't save them. You couldn't save you. And you can't save them. It's God that does the saving. So in this equation, we realize God says, hey, people are watching. I'm going to make you God for me. People are listening. Tell them everything I command you. Someone is, is working. I'm going to do this. I'm going to orchestrate it. I'll be there when you get there. And somebody is saving. God is saving. Listen, point number five. When somebody else is obeying. That's it. When someone is obeying, God uses that equation for saving. He didn't do it in disobedience. He did it when Moses and Aaron became obedient. Someone is obeying. Point number five, Exodus chapter 7, verse 6 and 7. And Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Listen to me right here. Good news for all of us. We're all dying of a thing called life. It started when you got your first breath and the first beat of your heart. It started and it's terminal, this thing called life. And one day we'll die. What a beautiful epitaph to put on your grave marker. He or she did just as the Lord commanded. How would that be for your life? What do you know about old George over there? Man, he just did everything the Lord commanded. That's the key. That's the key that opens it up for God to do amazing things in our life. Now it says, it says, it says he, they did exactly just as the Lord had commanded verse 7 you ready now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 years old and Phyllis was 86 that last part wasn't in there I make sure you look following along uh, 80 years old and 83 years old and just getting started it's good news I'm not 80 or 83 but I'm headed in that direction, hopefully. It starts now. It's never too late. And it's never too early. Never too late. Never too early for us to step into obedience and let God use us for something bigger than who we are. Scripture tells us in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in your speech, conduct, love, faithfulness, and purity. It's never too early and it's never too late to start obeying God. So I was curious, you know, because I'm, I'm not a spring chicken. And uh, I looked up some things that people have done in their 70s and beyond. It's pretty cool. A guy named Frank Shearer He's over 100 years old, and he water skis competitively. That's kind of amazing. I like this one. There's a nun. They call her the Iron Nun because she runs Ironman competitions at 82 years old. Don't mess with that nun. Doris Haddock, they call her Granny D, walked across America 3,200 miles. She's 89. Bruce Hellman 
rode from Richmond, Virginia to Fairbanks, Alaska and back on a Harley, 10,000 miles. He's 87 years old. Nora Oaks got her bachelor's degree, 95 years old. Ben Franklin signed the U.S. Constitution, 81 years old. John Glenn went up in the space shuttle, 77 years old. Joe Biden was 78 when he became president. Well, that's not a good example. Let me find another one. (laughs) Donald Trump. No, he wasn't a good one either. Ronald Reagan. Yeah, we'll go with Ron. Ronald Reagan, 77 when he left the office. Okay, we'll go with that one. All right? My point is this. It's not a political statement much. It's, It's a statement that life isn't over until God says, heart beat no more. Life's not over, no matter how old or how young. And Man, I champion young people because you got so much life before you. The little girl, Landry, and the little boy, JB, that I baptized today, I love that because they have their whole journey in front of them with Jesus. And, and I champion Phyllis at 86 who took that step and was baptized. She's got her eternal uh, journey with Jesus. And she's ready. And so that's where we land. And so how do we do it now? How how do we do it? If If you, like Moses, have a message from God that says, go tell your Pharaoh about my story. Go tell Pharaoh about who I am. How do we do that? Man, we want to help you. We want to help you. So last week, we provided this prayer journal to help you get ready. It's about getting things in your life before you get anything from God. And that's what it's about. If you hadn't got one, if you hadn't started yours, it's not too late. You can pick one up at the Connection Center today if they're not gone. But I want to show you what we did today for you. We have this cool card. If you got a card, hold it up. You've already lost them. It's cool. All right. You need to get one of these. If you didn't get one, go out. Get one when you go out. It's called the, it's called the Rescue Guide from Sturkey Hills. And in it, on this front cover right here, that's there it is right there. It looks so cool. And you open it up on the front cover. It tells us why we're here You and I have two responsibilities. One is called the great commandment, love God and love other people. That's it. Just love God with everything you have, love people like that. And the second just proves that you got the first one right. It's called the great commission. And that is to go and tell the world the love story of God. That's it. So one, we love him. And two, we show it because we care enough to tell it. So how do you do that? Well, we put it all right here on this card. Now you, like me, if you have old eyes, this looks like microfilm. But that's okay, because I don't want you to look at the card. I want you to learn the card, and I want you to give the card away. Because in this card, it it will help you understand this. It'll help you understand about our calling, who we're here for. And then how do you start talking to somebody about Jesus, students? How do you start talking to Jesus, uh, talking to somebody about Jesus? You're Pharaoh. How do you have that conversation? Are you ready? It starts with some easy questions. Hey, man, you know, I'm at church, and my preacher, he's a bully, and he's telling us all that we need to tell somebody about Jesus, and I'm afraid he's going to corner me on the way out. Hey, who'd you tell this week? And so in case he does, I'm just curious. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? Because I'm trying to figure this thing out. I'm like Eli. I I was on it, man. I was digging in, trying to figure it out. And and so I want to know, have you got any spiritual beliefs? And they'll have a conversation. It might be that you might meet somebody that has a conversation like this. No. You know, what do you say to that? Okay. Okay, I'll take my card, go home. No? You say, why not? How can you not? You just, a dialogue. Let them talk. It's not you preaching, you're going to hell unless you get saved. It's a conversation. Then you go to the next one. 
well, what, what do you think about Jesus? Do you think, what do you think about him? You go on, you say, what about this? Do you believe there's a real heaven and a real hell? You go on and say, well, if you died, do you think you would go to heaven or hell? And they're all right here. And so you have this conversation. And then it goes on in this little card, and surprisingly, it says, using the scripture. You remember what we said? God said, go and tell them everything I've commanded. He could care less what you think about your opinions, your philosophies and ideologies. He just likes what he thinks because he's God. And so next we show them in scripture. Hey, let me, I've been reading the Bible, and a preacher gave us these goofy little cards. And uh, Romans 3.23, and you carry your Bible. You can get a little Bible in your pocket. You can carry your big coffee table Bible. It don't matter. And just know in your head, all I got to do is get to Romans 3.23. If I can get to Romans 3.23, it'll take me the rest of the way. How? Because you're going to open up to Romans 3.23 and say, will you read that for me? And he's going to say, uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you just have a conversation. It says all, but that sounds kind of all-encompassing, doesn't it? And right there beside Romans 3.23, you're going to write cheat notes, Romans 6.23. That just lets you know you don't have to worry about the next 10 verses. Now I'm going to Romans 6.23. What does that say? Well, it says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow, what does that say? Does that say anything to you? Well, it sounds like Jesus did something for us. And right there beside Romans 6, 23, you're going to have John 3, 3. And you're going to go to John 3, 3 and say, hey, read this. And you're going to go to John 14, 6. You're going to go to Revelation. And right there through your Bible, you're going to let them see what God has commanded you to say. You don't have to, you don't have to create anything. You don't have to mem- All you've got to memorize is this. Romans 3, 23. Everybody say Romans 3, 23. See, you're already there. You're ready. You're ready. All right? Why? Because 3,500 years ago, God came down and ignited a bush. And he told Moses, he says, I'm getting ready to do something because I love humanity. And I want you to know that people are watching you. People are listening to you. And I'm doing a work behind the scenes. And I'm going to save some people. But I just want you to be obedient and tell them. And that's your call, your commission, your command from God, not me is to go and tell everything that God has told you. And we're trying to help and make it as easy as possible. Because I know in this very room, there are people who have people, Pharaohs in your life, that you feel confident if their life ended today, they would not spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. And you care enough, and we want to help you get them to a place where they can simply make a decision. On the back, it walks through the decision And it gives you a sample of a prayer, an example of how somebody can receive Christ. Bow your heads and close your eyes today and we're finished. I want you to know God wants to be engaged in your life and do mighty things through you. But it's all about his glory and his timing. And maybe you're here today and what I just shared, that little simple illustration kind of grabbed you in the soul. It's like, I didn't really come here for that, but I feel like God wants to do something in my life. Maybe he just wants to save me. I want you to know, take that little card and read through it. You can contact me or one of the leaders here at church and we'll help you with that. This could be your day of salvation. Maybe today you saw the baptism and you're like, you know, I walk with Jesus. I received his grace gift years ago, but I've never been biblically baptized. I need to do that. Contact us, we'll help you with that. For the rest of us, 
simply get in the game with God and see what he will do through somebody like you. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this amazing story. We thank you for the challenge that it gives us to be you to our Pharaoh. God, we thank you that because some have been faithful, even today we saw 11 follow you at the next level in believer's baptism, the symbol that I am a child of God and I want the world to know and I identify with Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. God, as I, I pray as we leave this place that we won't be the same as we were when we got here. That something will be different on the inside and it'll begin to come out on the outside. I thank you for every individual, every family that's here today. I pray your blessings upon them. And we give you praise and glory for it all. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.